Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. There's joy and there's pleasure in that. 
The danger about that, though, is, is when I say, no, Sarah, that's wrong. Like, your interpretation of God, we're happy for you. It's cute. We're, we're, we're happy. It's good. But it has to look like me. And the only way that I see God is the, the, the true right way. And this is how people brought violence to other people. This is how we brought toxicity in churches and in, <laughs> and in uh, entire communities of demanding there's only this way of being with God. And the truth is there should be thousands, millions of ways of doing God because the way you are shaped by God is going to be through your lived experience. And these are the questions that people have been asking. What does it mean to come into a relationship with God? What does it mean to come into knowledge of God? What, when we say God, what, is it, what are we even talking about? I had two wonderful conversations in the last couple weeks with people from my church. Um, one, we were, I was talking to someone and they were um, explaining of how um, the way that they viewed God, the way that they were handed, God was handed down to them, just doesn't work anymore. They're saying, so if we're talking about God, what God are we talking about? I would talking about the God who um, uh, ordered the, the Israelites to go commit genocide? Because it's in the Bible, right? Is that the kind of God that we're, we're talking about? Because really, if that's the kind of God we're talking about, and, and they said, the people of the tribe just uh, explained to me how to do all these like mental gymnastics to get around, oh, this is why it's good. It got me thinking. Who's it good for? Like that that story of inviting the the, the Israelites to go um, commit genocide to the um, Canaanites, right? Um, and they said, "Well, that you know, that's a good God. It's a good God for some people." <laughs> I don't think the Canaanites at that said, "Yeah, you know what? That's pretty 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 good God, right?" And if there's a if there's a God that's not good is only good for some people, that's not a good God, right? If there's a God that's only for just a certain demographic, certain people based on a boundary or a promise, it's only good for some, it's not good for all, then it's not good. And we were talking about how do we justify, how can we still worship this God, right? Which we can talk about another time. Um, I had another person, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking, same thing, kind of going through their own deconstruction, going through their own way of how they view God and reality. And for the first 30 years of their life, it worked, and all of a sudden, it just doesn't work anymore. It just doesn't hold water. Um, and they asked me, the first time anyone's ever asked me, they said, when you think about God, what do you see? When you pray to God, what are you picturing? What kind of image or feeling? I'm like, no one's ever asked that of me before. And it took me a while to think of, like, what do I actually think about? And we had a great, we had a great talk about um, pan-atheism, pan which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. But even the way that we think about God shapes the way that we see God, shapes the way that we engage with God, it shapes the way that we don't or avoid God. And so these questions have been asked forever. There's a guy um, named Schleimacher, right? And he said that religion is just the taste and the touch of the infinite. That's all that religion is. And he, he believed that um, any way you come into knowledge of God has to be through and only through experience. He was a romantic, so he, he encouraged people to have... Um, uh, poetry, to go out and experience culture, to live life, and experience tons of different kind of cultures. Because every time you have an experience, there you are meeting God in a new, fresh way. And he even said, the things that we do in church and our rituals and all the, the symbolism is just ways to help people get to that experience. Because even like theology and um, dogma and ortho orthodoxy, all that is just ways to help people move into an experience. Then there's a guy named Karl Barth who's like the premier um, Protestant theologian out of Sweden, and he said the only way that we come into relationship with God is that God chooses what to reveal to us. That there's a God that's wholly other. 
And the only way that God communicates to us is through paradox, where we have to have like this, this uh, aha moment of that God reveals itself through the person of Jesus as a baby, and that baby is a part of a culture that is under the foot of the empire. There's a God who comes and says, love your neighbor as yourself. It says to love your enemy instead of killing your enemy. And actually, this God actually dies by the hands of the empire and then comes back to life to what? To lead a revolution? No, to give it all away. To give it to all, all of us saying, what if all authorities are given to me, now I give it to you. Right? It's this upside-down way of thinking. And he's one, he's not the first, but he's um, one person who said, if you want to see God, look at Jesus. It would be, and there's a guy, a great boy, who's like a mentor who doesn't know that I even exist, right? And I'm a big fan of him. And he said all the time, uh, we have a Jesus-looking God, and we should be Jesus-looking people. And so when I read Karl Barth wrote that a long time ago, I'm like, wait, Greg stole that. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's what we're all doing. We are all stealing from one another. We are all trying to inspire one another. We are all vague, borrowing and stealing from one another with what we think about God, because that's what we do. And that's what we should do. That I can... I can actually uh, trust that when you share me your thoughts, man, I, don't even, I don't even know your name. What's your name? Gary. Gary. Me and Gary, best friends, all right? <laughs> uh, whatever Gary thinks about God, if, if you even think about God, but whatever it is is going to shape the way how I see it, because Gary's thoughts about God or spirituality or science or earth, whatever name we ascribe to it, still belongs. It's still going to add value where we go. But so often when we think about God, we think we have to restrict. We have to stay quiet. We have to have the right words. We have to, like, like, who, is anyone here a fan of, like, praying in public before meals at, like, Thanksgiving and Christmas? Yeah, the one like that. Is it right? There's one, right? Like, and when I, if I ask someone, like, hey, would you mind praying? They're like, I can't pray. Why? I'm not a professional prayer like you, Chris, right? <laughs> and what are we afraid of publicly praying? Of getting it wrong. Because there's some way of thinking. There's a right way of knowing God, a right way of thinking about, about, <laughs> about God, which implies there's a lesser way or a shameful way, or a bad way. And the reality is, every single thing belongs. And we can trust other people's experiences. Like James Cone. James Cone um, is a, uh, wrote a book called Black Liberation. And in the book, this is like early 60s, he says God is a black man. And imagine that. But a lot of people were offended by that. Mostly white people, right? And he, what he says is that God is a black man because God chooses over and over and over again to always reveal itself and come to those who are marginalized and oppressed. That God chose to come as the Christ, as an oppressed, marginalized, colonized person. And he said, if you want to see God, let go move towards people who are being oppressed and actually be a part of liberation because that's where God lives. I've been Lurkamedian. I'm not black, right? I have no idea what it's like to be a person of color, but I can learn, I can listen, and I can trust their lived experience, right? There's a um, Christina Cleveland, right? She is a um, PhD on the Duke Seminary, and she traveled around the world looking for um, black Madonnas, and she says that God is a black woman, that God is going to um, use her body to bring life to those around her at the cost of herself, right? It, there's so many ways of knowing God. There's so many beautiful ways of experience what, what, what and who God is. There's a, there's a story where Jacob um, has this uh, mystical, incredible, powerful experience through this dream with God. And he wakes up and he says, surely God has always been here and I was not aware of it. Which implies that as Jacob was moving through his life, doing his work, doing art, playing Tiger Woods Golf on PlayStation 2, right? whatever that Jacob did, that 
God was always there, and he had no clue. How many more places do we move that there is a God that is dancing, there's a God that is moving, there's a God that is creating, there's a God that is transforming, that we say, well, we do that over here. God only does that in these select places. God only does it to these kind of people. If you can meet this criteria, then that's where God shows up. Where we can all of a sudden be awakened that God has always been that place. Which is a beautiful way of thinking about God. That God is in all things. If we are willing to awaken to that reality. It changes how we interact with each other. It changes how we interact with earth. It changes how we interact with my precious little puppy chance. Right? That God is in that dog as well. So there's not, I should say there's not. There's no need to be ashamed. There's no need to have this fear of curiosity. There's so much more higher ways of knowing God. So I'm going to share two big buckets uh, about what I think about God. And there's many more buckets, but that's limited to this. Oh, I forgot to say this. What I love about this church is that the way that Gary thinks about spirituality, the way I think about spirituality, are not in competition. And yes, I am one of the pastors here. I talk majority of the time, and so some of the things that I share are going to influence and shape how our culture is, but my my theology is not the theology of the church. Even like the leadership um, here at Neighborhood, we all have very different ways of viewing God, thinking about God, expressing God, and experiencing God, and I absolutely love it, because we are better for it. The way that Sarah engages and thinks about spirituality has mentored and inspired me to think about God differently, because they have a different experience. So if we are all willing to move in a place of love, and the fruit of it is love, the fruit of it is this um, uh, this liberation, this freedom to be your full self, absolutely belongs. So, I'm going to give you two big buckets about when I talk about God, this is what I'm talking about. First one is um, that God is with us, and there's a God that's for us. Which is not this like brand new way of thinking, but it, sh- it informs how I show up when I'm beginning to engage with God. Because for a lot of people, a lot of people, when they think about God, they think about God that is other, God that is distant, God that is somewhere else, and we have to get, like, the right prayer, we have to get really desperate, we have to get, like, the right, like, I have perfect pitch, so it's hard for everyone else, but not for me. We have to get the right song, the right um, emotion to somehow catch God, God's attention, like, God, like, ah, Chris, again, really, why, all right. If there's a God that's with us, and there's a God that's for us, that is a beautiful thing. Because there's so many times that people I engage and myself that feel there's not a God that's for me. There's a God that's for Gary, not for me. There's a God that's for you. There's a God that's for them, but not me. And if we really believe that, then, there's a, then we feel like, then I'm not enough. Or the fullness of who I am is a threat. How many times have you walked into a family function or a work function <laughs> or a church function where you feel like you had to dial down who you were? You had, to, you had to change and quiet, maybe even violently, of who the real you is. Because you feel like the fullness of who I am is a threat to that family. It's a threat to the culture. It's a threat to my earning potential. Right? The, the amount of women that I've talked to or um, shared with me um, that said, people call me um, aggressive. People call me intense. And all I'm doing is acting just like what men do at, at the job. I'm clear. I'm aware of what I want. I have no problem sharing it. But because a female, right, or a female presenting person does it, it's labeled as you're violent, you're aggressive, you're too intense for this place, right? I've talked with people of color who say they work in a very white-centric environment, 
And the way that they show up, they have to act in a white cultured way. And um, what, what, what do they share? That's called code, code switch. Right? Code switch. They had to use words that white people understood, white people valued, because that's how they got noticed, it's how they got believed, it's how they could continue in, in their earning potential. And people do this all the time, especially when it comes to God. Thinking, I have to play this game in order to get the best of God. And the whole time, God is the biggest fan of you. There's a God that wants you to be your fullest self. And I, I don't know about you, that changes how I engage with God. It changes how I think there's a God that finds pleasure in who I am. And I don't have to be someone else. It's in this breath, it's in this space that I'm enough for God. So I, it took me a long time. It took me not as long to say it. It took me a long time to actually believe it. That even if you have a belief in God or you don't have a belief in God, that God is a big fan of the real you and wants you to be your fullest self. So that's big bucket number one. Big bucket number two is... Um, Three words I've been saying. We planted this church six years ago, I think, six, seven years ago. And I say it so often, I am sick of saying it. But it's important. That word is good and beautiful, right? I, mean, I believe with the good and beautiful God that wants nothing but good and beautiful things for us. And the reason I say it over and over and over and over again is anytime you're trying to influence um, culture, people will repeat what you say once they believe it and once they heard it enough. And they need to hear it a lot. And I've noticed in the last um, couple of years, I hear more like Nita saying, wow, that's so good and beautiful. I'm like, man, that's good. And why do I want people to say that? Because when you think about God, good and beautiful is not in the top third. Most people, when they hear about God, the first thing they think is shame. Somewhere along the line. But, like, I tell, I don't willingly tell people all the time. <laughs> people say, well, what do you do professionally? Um, and then uh, when they don't believe them a model, then they say, um, I say, well, I'm a pastor. And nine out of ten times, most people say, uh, I'm sorry. They're not apologizing that I'm actually a pastor. I'm like, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> um, they're, they're apologizing because they have a drink in their hand, even though I have a drink in my hand. They apologize because they swore, even though probably I swore right before them, right? They apologize for what they're wearing. They're apologizing for the content of what they were talking about. They start with a place of, of um, shame. And why? Because somewhere uh, they believe this pastor be this representation of God, even though Heather is equally representation of who God is, right? But they hear I'm a pastor, and all of a sudden they start a place of shame because they think, I'm not enough for God. I already started, and they start a place of, I did something wrong. And that's where so many people start to think about God, and they're like, ooh, right? I better change, I better hide, I better. Um, I better lie to this God. I better lie to, to prove that I'm really better than who I, who I am. But God finds absolute delight and pleasure in who you are. So help people start at a place um, that God is for them and with them. But a God who's good and beautiful is a nice thing. But how you define what's good, how you define what beauty is, changes absolutely the whole conversation. And I've had this conversation with my friends. And if you ask any of my friends and you want to see them eye roll, say, hey, have you and Chris ever talked about heaven? And they'll go, oh, yeah, even Nikki right now, she's like, oh, boy. As usually Nikki gets up and, like, leaves and goes, I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, I, and I love talking about heaven. It started on the back deck of one of my friends' house, and they said, man, I can't wait till I get to heaven because uh, I'm going to be thin, and I'm going to be strong, and I'm going to have no pain, and I'm going to be able to move in this world the way I really want to. And for whatever reason, it just, it just like something to me 
snap, I think is the correct word, right? And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Settle down there, right? Like, why do you think to be holy and sacred, which I believe, I do believe in heaven, right? Why is it good or sacred or holy if you're thin? Why is the 20-year-old version of you better and more beautiful and more sacred and more holy and more God or Christ-like than your body right now? It is easy to think about heaven. It's easy to think about God that's centered around what culture has deemed of you are better than everyone else. <laughs> Nikki uh, read a quote to me um, a couple days ago that said, does being thin actually make make you happier? Was that the quote? Or is it that you just, you, you, you're more welcomed by society, you're more celebrated by society by being thin? Does your life, like, really get better? No. But you get believed more, you get more comments, right? Culture might celebrate you a little bit more, but it doesn't make your life any better. And to say that in heaven we're going to look this way, who gets to decide how we look like? Who gets to decide what kind of body type? Who gets to decide what color eyes? Who gets to decide how long our hair? Who gets to decide what color our skin is? Who gets to decide what is beautiful? Why can't who we are right now be good enough? Why can't who we are be beautiful and sacred and holy? And so to think that heaven, and again, I do, I believe in heaven. What if we go into heaven in the same way that we are right now? And why wouldn't that be the most beautiful, sacred thing? Because you couldn't pay, well, yeah, I believe that. You couldn't pay me enough money to go back to my 20s. No, there's no way. Would I like to have less pain? Would I like to be able to do some of the things I was able to do in my 20s? Sure, but I would not give up the scars on my hands from running through the woods with my kids and where I hit like a little, little thorn, right? I would not give up the pain that I have in my shoulder right now from trying to make my house more enjoyable for my family and the people I love. I would not give up. I carry stress and anxiety in my stomach. And my stomach can be um, very... Um, not great, let's just say that, right? My, our, my job has been stressful for the last two years, and I would not give it up for anything in the world because I believe in what we are doing. And the stuff that we've been able to do, the stuff that we um, together, collectively, help inspire and liberate people, I would, do, I would take all the pain all over again. All the hard conversations I've had with people who transitioned out of our church when we became in there, that was, that was hard. It was, that was really hard. I would do it all again of the work that we've been able to do. Why isn't that the most sacred thing? Being exactly who you are. So when I think of a good and beautiful God that's with me, that's for me, there's a good and beautiful God means that the goodness is already in him. The beauty is already here. It's going to be there tomorrow and the next day. But here's the thing. Like how I started, if there's a, if there's, it's not good for everybody, then it's not good. We can look around the room. We can look around our communities. We can look around our family systems, our circle of friends, and we see someone's hurting, then we're hurting. Something that's good and beautiful means that we're not just going to hold on to the goodness for ourselves. We're not just going to strive to, to uh, find assurance for ourselves. That we're going to move and help and remind other people the goodness is in them too. That we can move towards a place of actually bringing healing and restoration to the earth and to places around us. Dorothy Soul, I wrote a book right there. I left that there. It's called Thinking About God. She is my favorite uh, one of my favorite theolog theologians, and she's a feminist and liberation theologian. And if you want to nerd out about that later, you can. It's one of my favorite books. She does not talk about her thoughts on God, even it's called thinking on God, until the last two chapters. <laughs> she has this quote that says, um, what I think about God is a boring question. I'm paraphrasing. 
What do, you, what do you think about God? Is a boring question. Essentially, like, I really don't care what you think about God. Just do God, is what she says. I'm more interested in how you do God than what you think about God. And I had a positive look, but I'm like, mm, I spend way too much time thinking about God instead of doing God. And she says, if you really believe that God wants to feed the hungry people, God doesn't have hands. <laughs> that was something like someone's gonna laugh, right? God doesn't have hands. God doesn't have butter and milk just laying around, but we do, right? If you really believe that God wants to welcome lonely people, God does not have arms to hug, but you do, right? We can do the things of God. We should think about God, right? I love thinking about God. And it's easy just to say, oh, God, do something in those people over there. God, man, will you rescue those hungry people in our community? And it's a beautiful prayer. But imagine that God's saying, yeah, let's go do it. And if we can look and be aware of the opportunities in our lives, in our mental health, in our family systems, in our communities, there's ways that we can actually make this world good and beautiful. Because I do believe that there's a good and beautiful God who wants nothing but good and beautiful things for us. And if we're willing, like Jacob, awaken that maybe God has always been here, we can change, transcend, and we continue to grow. So what I'm going to do, if you are able, and you'd like to stand, and I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to have some coffee and hang out. I guess I should stand too, huh? So God, we love you. Even like what Nikki said uh, earlier, in this breath brings life. And I thank you that in this breath you are a huge fan of us. And you want us to flourish, you want us to thrive, you want us to move in a place of freedom. And what that looks like looks totally different for each of us in this room and watching online. And I pray you'd help us come in contact with that breath aware of how we are even hiding parts of ourselves, how we are pushing parts of ourselves, how we're denying parts of ourselves because we feel like we're not enough. You're a God that is for us, and I thank God that you are with us. That I am enough right now. I pray that you help us be able to find that goodness and that beauty within. That when we think, not just about you, but even when we think about ourselves, it's something to be find pleasure in. And you help us be able to identify and be aware of all the ways that we can use our arms, our hands, our art, our creativity, our KitchenAid stand mixer, our car, all of it belongs. Help us be able to use it to extend to help other people experience something good. And to remind and inspire that they've been beautiful this whole entire time. So go with us and be with us. In your name. Amen. Well, thank you, friends, for being here. Thank you for everyone online for watching. Uh, and if you have any questions or you'd like to process or there's something you'd like uh, to pray about, I uh, will be up here the whole time.